0: Why do we call this month august as someone born in this month i have to confess i have no idea why do we even name the months will there be any changes ever or are we stuck with these ones why do we celebrate birthdays why can't i simply look up the definition of august none of these answers to these questions can be found in this edition of charlottesville community engagement but perhaps you'll learn something anyway On today's program, the comment period is open for the finalization of a rule change that would pull Virginia out of a carbon cap-and-trade program. The local realtor group reports a continued trend of lower sales and higher prices for homes in the area. And Charlottesville City Council gets a briefing on the status of transitioning to alternative fuels for Charlottesville area transit. In today's first Patreon-fueled shout-out, mark your calendar for the fourth annual Rivanna River Roundup on Saturday, September 16th. Volunteers of all ages can participate in a community-wide cleanup across more than a dozen sites in the Rivanna River watershed, cleaning litter from our rivers and streams. Registration for the Rivanna River Roundup will be open on August 21st. Do you know of a trail, stream, or other accessible location in the Rivanna River watershed that could use a trash cleanup? Let the RCA know by filling out a form on their website, and you might see your suggestion become an official Roundup cleanup site. Thanks to the Rivanna Conservation Alliance for being a Patreon supporter. Governor Glenn Youngkin signed Executive Order No. 9 just hours after taking the oath of office in January of 2022. The document signaled the administration's desire to withdraw from the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative, a multi-state compact that requires power producers to purchase credits if they exceed certain caps on the amounts of emissions released into the atmosphere. Here's a section from that executive order. Virginia's participation in the regional greenhouse gas initiative risks contributing to the increased cost of electricity for our citizens. Virginia joined Reggie in 2021 after the General Assembly passed legislation requiring that action as a way of reducing the state's greenhouse gas emissions. The night Yunkin was elected, Republicans won control of the House of Delegates, but Democrats retained a narrow lead in the Senate. Legislation to remove Virginia from Regie failed in the 2022 General Assembly, and so Yunkin pursued executive means. That took the form of repealing a rule previously adopted by the State Air Pollution Control Board. On June 7th, that body voted 4-3 to, to repeal the rule, that is now making its way through the regulatory process as viewable on the Virginia Regulatory Town Hall. Public comments on the finalization of this rule are currently being taken. At publication time, all eight comments were in favor of Virginia staying in Reggie. This week, the Southern Environmental Law Center issued a notice of appeal to the Virginia Department of Environmental Quality stating that they will file a lawsuit in Fairfax Circuit Court challenging the executive withdrawal. In a press release, SELC senior attorney Nate Beneforado is quoted saying, There are still serious questions as to whether the Air Board actually has the authority to pull the state out of Reggie. Where do candidates for the General Assembly stand? All 140 seats are up, even though they're not all contested, and this is one issue to track as Election Day looms. Home prices in the Charlottesville area are continuing to increase, while overall sales activity remains sluggish. That's the main takeaway of the latest quarterly report from the Charlottesville Area Association of Realtors. Here's a section from the executive summary of the report, which covers from April to June. The median sales price in the car housing market during the second quarter was $445,900, up 7% from last year. That's a gain of $28,050. There were 232 fewer home sales in the period compared to 2022, and 3% fewer active listings. The sharp slowdown in market activity is being driven by a combination of factors, including tight inventory conditions and climbing mortgage rates. However, sales prices increased. That is a figure to track as you consider future property assessments in all of the various localities. Sales prices were up 11% in Albemarle, 7% in Louisa County, and 3% in Nelson County. They declined 25% in Nelson County and stayed more or less the same in Charlottesville and Greene County. The median price of a home in Albemarle County is $530,000 compared with $320,000 in Nelson County. The report also notes that building permits are above national averages, with 531 permits issued in the Charlottesville Metropolitan Statistical Area from January through May. Two-thirds are for single-family homes. However, this figure is below 2022 levels. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and in today's second Patreon-fueled shout-out, on August 10th, Livable Seaville and Charlottesville United for Public Education are co-hosting a webinar on a very important topic as the school year looms. The event will feature Ben Chambers, transportation planner for the city of Charlottesville, and Amanda Corman, community relations liaison for Charlottesville City Schools. The webinar will provide Charlottesville City School families and staff with information about transportation as the new school year begins. There will be a question and answer session at the end. Sign up today for this free event and thank you for the shout out. One more segment to go today, and it's one I've wanted to get to, and here it is. Vehicles used by Charlottesville Area Transit to carry passengers around the community currently use diesel. But a study is underway to come up with alternatives to how to transition the fleet to ones that emit fewer or no greenhouse gas emissions. At their meeting on July 17, 2023... Council learned from CAT Director Garland Williams that the scope of the study has been extended.
1: Eleven months ago when we started down this process, uh, it was just a study directed just by CAT. Um, since that, we um, did some, um, some uh, coordination between um, other departments. So we added um, environmental sustainability. We also had uh, neighborhood development services. The city hired Kimley Horn
0: to conduct the work. Williams said that firm conducted a similar study for Jaunt, which was completed last December. Williams said the goal is to include zero
1: emissions vehicles as
0: part of the mix.
1: But we also want to make sure that ultimately we're going to be reliable because ultimately that's what's going to make sure that we have the greatest impact on this region.
0: After a year of work, All that's available for review is a feasibility study, according to project manager Mike Schindeldecker of Kimley Horn. We do not have a recommendation yet. This is determining what we can do, what is capable. How do we get to zero emissions? What are the different options available? What are the levers we can push and pull? At the same time, Kimley Horn is also looking into space needs for Charlottesville area transit. There's a possibility that more buses will be needed and they have to be parked somewhere. The plan to get to zero-emissions buses is expected to be completed in the fall so that the agency can seek grants to pay for new vehicles. To recap, Charlottesville has a goal to reduce greenhouse gas emissions by 45% by 2030 and to be carbon-free by 2050. The scenarios presented to Council are based on a system optimization that was conducted two years ago that has not yet been implemented. To recap, there's a couple of articles in the newsletter for you to take a look at. Good planning says we should design a system that meets the needs of our community first and then work with technology in order to implement that system. That's a process we took, and that's
1: where we're building off the system optimization plan.
0: Yet CAT is also embarking on a new strategic plan, which presents CAT with an opportunity to evaluate and update our services and network to respond to changes in our community. Is that going to make this fuel study obsolete? Well, either way, during his presentation, Schindeldecker reviewed the types of vehicles that might be possible. Both internal combustion engines and hybrid electric vehicles produce emissions. Battery electric vehicles and fuel cell electric vehicles do not directly do so. Fuel cells use hydrogen through an electrochemical process to charge batteries while the buses are in use. There are several scenarios. Transition existing diesel fleet to clean diesel. Switch to battery electric vehicles. This would include three separate scenarios for specifics on how to make the transition. One of them would require more buses than usual to allow for some of them to recharge during the day. Another assumes fast charging sites during layovers, but those fast chargers, the technology isn't quite there yet. Switch to hydrogen, which would require construction of a cryogenic storage and fueling facility. And switch to compressed natural gas which would require a new fueling facility. Some other factors to keep in mind as we wait for the full study to be revealed. Batteries with larger range are bigger and could reduce the capacity for passenger space on vehicles. Batteries have less capacity and lower temperatures. There are concerns about whether there is a sufficient workforce to be able to work on vehicles with alternative fuels. Routes with lots of hills are more challenging for batteries, as more charge is required to make the climb. And federal procurement rules require vehicles to be used for their entire useful life before replacements can be paid for. Federal funding makes up the vast majority of the cost of buses.
1: There, the parameters are still um, 12 years and 500,000 miles. We have to meet not one, but both before we're able to replace it. We have, the majority of our fleet right now are more than 14 years old. Mm -hmm. Um, Most of them, uh, we have 10 uh, hybrid vehicles.
0: Williams said those hybrid vehicles were really not ready to be on the road, but CAT can't dispose of them until they've been sufficiently used up.
1: Our hybrid vehicles stay in the shop more than they are on the road. And that's the problem with um, making sure we need to get to zero emissions, but I'm also really concerned about reliability
0: recommendations will come back to council within the next 90 days, according to Williams. If you have not seen the full presentation and you're really interested in this, there's a lot of details that couldn't fit into this newsletter, but hey, you got the newsletter today. But that is the end of number 561. My mental health really does increase with the ability to publish new editions of this newsletter and podcast. I want very much for every single person on the planet to have the opportunity to do what they love. Paid subscribers are the main reason I'm able to continue to do this work which I love and to keep planning for this future of this work. There's a lot of people who need to know things and I'm glad to be part of the information landscape in my community and state. At this point, there's no regular production schedule except for the week ahead, which comes out pretty regularly on Sundays. To find out the latest status of this newsletter, check out my notes section on the Substack website or app. And if you want to help keep this going, do consider a subscription through Substack. If you do it at $5 a month, $50 a year, or $200 a year, Ting will match your initial payment they're also gearing up for the next sporting year at the University of Virginia, including their continued sponsorship of both Scott Stadium and the John Paul and Jones Arena. Thanks for listening and goodbye.